0: I just got a simple thought came to my mind in worship but I feel like the Lord just wants us to picture the cross for just a moment get the image of the cross in your mind and just remember what it was that Jesus was doing when he went to that cross because he was taking all your sins with full knowledge of everything you'd ever do everything you'd ever done your whole life before it even happened and he knew when he was going to that cross that he was taking your sins to pay the penalty for those sins so that you'd never have to pay them again and he wanted you to be set free from that he wanted you to be set free from the guilt and the shame of that and so he took that whipping and he went to the cross he took the nails in his hands he took the thorns in his in his brow and the crown of thorns on his head he took that spear in the side he bled out of his side he said it's finished and it was finished and he left he sent the Holy Spirit and for many of you you remember that moment when the Holy Spirit came and applied that work to your life and you remember what it felt like to be forgiven you know there's a verse in in Peter that says that those of us who have forgotten that we're forgiven we're, we're nearsighted we don't see you need to remember that you're That the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you and washes you from all sin. That you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a child of God, made new, holy and pure. And see, this is our confession of faith, that we believe that God loved us so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. And we confess that, that He is not just dead on the cross, but He buried that sin in the ground and on the third day He rose again from the dead. And because of His resurrection, we have the promise and the hope of eternal life. And if you're in here tonight, you, you don't know that. It's, it's, the, the good news is just by hearing what I just preached, that's the gospel. You can have eternal life by confessing that Jesus is Lord, repenting of your sins and believing that what I just said is true. And the Holy Spirit will do a work in your heart. And so would you just thank him really quick. Just give him some thanks. Just say, Lord, I'm so thankful that you saved me, that you met me where you did when you came in and you saved my soul and you brought me out of darkness and you brought me into your marvelous light. And Lord, we want more of your light to pour into our soul that we can see more and more of who you are, Jesus, every single day of our lives. We want our eyes opened to, to the magnificence of the cross and what you did on that cross. Lord, we're so grateful. For the salvation that you've given us, God. And Lord, let us never neglect that salvation. But Lord, Lord, let us always be thankful. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing here tonight. We're we're open to you, Holy Spirit, to move in our midst in whatever way you choose. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat if you'd like. Everybody doing good tonight? Yeah. Well it's good to see everybody again. These Wednesday nights are always fun, aren't they? Yeah. So you know, a couple of weeks ago I was talking to a guy today, he said he said he had been raised up real, real strict Southern Baptist, King James only, and and uh, But he was, he'd been listening to my messages, and, and he, he said he, just, he liked the way that I treated some of the topics that we've been talking about. Because we've been talking about some pretty uh, divisive topics, haven't we? We've been talking about tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, healing, and stuff like that. And here's what I'll say about that is, is what I just said a minute ago, the gospel, right? That's, that's primary. And then some of the things we talk about, really, I'm not, I'm not interested in arguing with you over them. Because I think there's secondary issues. And when we, he and I had this conversation, and one of the things that we came to, one of the decisions that we came to, and w- what we're just talking is that ultimately, at the end of the day, we can disagree on some minor issues and still be in fellowship with one another. And really, when we get so hung up on certain doctrines to the degree where they divide fellowship with one another, what we're really dealing with is honestly doctrinal idolatry. When my doctrine is more important... now. Don't get me wrong, there are some doctrines that, that we do, we can't break on. Like, like, you either believe this or you're not Christian, right? But you know, you can believe in tongues or you can not believe in tongues and still be a Christian. Because it's a secondary issue, Right? Now, you got to believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. you got to believe that he was he, he, he came to earth and that he was God in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man, that he lived physically on earth, that he died under Pontius Pilate, that he went into the, into the dead and he was raised again on the third day. you got to believe that. you got to believe that God is cr- the creator of the heavens and the earth or you're not going to be a Christian. Some of these things I get that all of us are on different, we're, we're in different walks and, and we come from different backgrounds and so... We just want to come in with an open heart and say, Lord, we're just open to looking at Scripture and seeing what it says and all that jazz, right? So everybody's good, right? Everybody feels good? Yeah, good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love Jeremy. He speaks on everyone's behalf. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. I like that, Jeremy. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing that I wanted to talk about. You know, last, so last week at the end, whenever we talked, we had a few words that went forth, and a lot of people were encouraged by it. I mean, a lot of people, there were, there were a few people that came to me and said, you know what? What what was said to me was was is pretty much exactly what I was praying, and that's what I've been going through, and it just really encouraged me. I think uh, Liana, she's here. She, the, you know, we got a word for her. She said she was about to leave early, and then we, but she thought to she's like I'm gonna stay, and, and that word just encouraged her. It was the strength that she needed because it was something that she was she was praying about. And so what what I want to talk about a little bit, and I understand that it, that, that it can be sketchy, is that is that God still speaks. You you believe that, right? Now, let me say this, because you need to know this, because guess what? People can get weird, can't they? Y'all ever been in a weird church, right? I don't ever want to be that. I mean, but sometimes we, every now and then it gets spooky in here. I'll just be honest with you. Like, we've been weird before. And it happens, but there's space to be weird. There's grace to be weird. If you get weird, I ain't going to get mad at you. I might come say, hey, don't do that again. Don't be weird. But I ain't going to be mad at you. But I believe, we believe in the spiritual gifts, and we believe they ought to operate and function biblically as they're prescribed in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And so what I want to say about God speaking is this, is that first and foremost, God, the Bible says, it says that in the latter times in Hebrews, He has spoken to us through His servants, the prophets. In other words, He spoke to the Old Testament men through the prophets, through Samuel, through Zechariah, through Isaiah, through Ezekiel, through all these prophets. And it says, but He has in these latter days spoken to us Through His Son. So, what you want to know more than anything is that Jesus Christ is what God has to say. He is the living Word of God. Jesus is what God has to say. You want to know what God has to say? You look at Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. This is the the penultimate Word of God, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. So, when God speaks, the primary way that He has spoken is through His Son, Jesus Christ, and through Scripture. Right? You agree with that? Amen. So everything else that we're talking about in how God speaks is really a secondary kind of sense, isn't it? We're talking about secondary issues. Because you can get into a place, and I believe God speaks in a multiple variety of ways because he, I believe he's spoken to me in a, in a variety of ways. But I also get that you can miss it. And one of the things is I'm scanning this crowd. You know, like we've got a, a section of a lot of young people. And when you talk to young people, don't take this personally, young people, but I used to be one. I used to, right? When you're 34 in this church, you're old, son. Amen. Uh, but anyway, when you get into that, because I can remember, just, you can justify things and say, well, you know, God, I feel like God said this to me, can't you? Yeah. And, you know, like I, I remember before I, before I met Andrea, you know, I was, I, I, I was single for like seven years and I was looking for a woman. You know what I'm talking about? Every now and then you just go looking for a woman, amen? And, and, I, and I, was, I was sort of dating this girl, kind of. And uh, I know this is weird. It'll be all right. Don't, don't get weird, Clay. I, this is before Andrea. I was sort of dating this girl, kind of. And I, I just felt this come to my mind. Maybe it's for some of you all. But because you, you got these desires when you're young, man. And you'll pray and you're listening for the voice of God for your future. And, and God, give me a woman. God, give me a car. God, give me, I mean, all these things. And you can, you can begin to disguise what your desires are with the voice of God. And that's when you can get into some real error. And that's why I would say that you need to first and foremost make sure you're hearing from God in Scripture before you're just hearing a voice of God that you just tag on your desire. Amen. It's very important to do. And, 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 what I, and when we talk about prophecy, one of the most dangerous things that, that we saw when you have people who believe in prophecy, like I told you last week, I grew up in a, in a culture, when I was in my young 20s, there were three different people that prophesied to three different girls that they was all going to marry me. Well, somebody lied, didn't he? Yeah. But see, that's the danger whenever you start to talk about these things. So you have to have some safeguards. And you have to understand that, yes, God speaks, but you got to be careful with that. You got to pay attention to that. Now, I meant to have Michaela come up here, I was going to let her share something. So, so, there were also when we were talking last week, and this is one of the most important things. When the Holy Spirit comes, like he did on the day of Pentecost, what did Jesus say? He said, the Holy Spirit shall come. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Basically, he's saying, you're going to be empowered to witness to people who don't know me about me so that they can come to know me. And you need the power of the Spirit to do that. Matter of fact, I don't know that you will do that without the power of the Spirit. I know you won't, actually, unless, you're, unless you just do it falsely. But... We prayed, and, and, and we, we said specifically there, be sensitive if anybody comes to your mind. And some, somebody came to, Kayla's mind, you want to come share this with them right quick?
1: So I was, you know, sitting there praying, and I was just open to, you know, whatever God's going to tell me. And it's scary sometimes because, you know, he'll give you some requests that are a little, little scary. But... Um, <laughs> But, um, I had this girl come to my mind that I went to high school with and, um, I really hadn't talked to the girl since high school very much and I never really talked to her a whole lot in high school, but she came to my heart and I was kind of, you know, like just praying, God, what do you want me to, you know, do? What do you want me to tell her? And, uh, what he put on my heart was just tell her that, that she is forgiven and that I love her and that I just kept praying, you know, like. Is that, you know, give me a little bit more. That was it. And, like, that was so powerful. Just, like, you are forgiven, and I love you. Like, that's enough. Like, that was, you know, plenty enough in that moment. So I got home, and I texted the girl, and um, I just told her, like, you do not have to go to sleep tonight wondering if you were loved or if you were worthy because, like, Jesus loves you. He died for you. And she texted me back, and, oh, it blessed me. It did. (laughs) But she, um, she was like, I've really been wanting to connect with God lately. I've just been feeling Him. And I've not ever really had that great relationship with Him my whole life. Um, she was like, but I have been asking just for a sign that I was not too far gone. And oh, that it really was like the greatest thing ever. But yeah, sometimes, you know, it's, it's short and simple. And that's like the best thing. But the timing on that was just perfect and... Yeah. It was great. It was
0: great. <laughs> Amen. But see, very simply put, that's what we're talking about, right? I mean, you, when, sometimes we, we talked about this. Whenever, sometimes when you think about like prophecy or spiritual gifts, it's like the, you think about the weirdest thing in the world. But essentially what it is, is, I mean, what is that? What just happened? Was that a gift of the spirit? You better believe it's a gift of the spirit. That's, that's how he speaks. You could say, well, what was it? Was it a word of knowledge, a prophecy? Who, I, I mean, you could say either one. The point is, he brought the Holy Spirit brought somebody to her mind that she had not been thinking about, and she went out of her way, to, uh, took a step of faith, acted upon it, and because of it, she spoke to a person who needed to hear that word from God. And you say, but that's but so simple, Clay. I mean, everybody knows that they're loved by God, but no, it was the timing on that word is what made it prophetic. The timing on that word is what made it a gift of the Spirit. Because if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, now here's the thing, and this, we're Bible people, aren't we? We're, we? On Sunday mornings, I preach Bible. On Wednesday night, I preach Bible. But here's the thing, I can't turn into the Bible and know that that girl is hurting and needs that word from the Lord. The Bible won't tell me that. Now, the Bible will tell me what to tell her, that Jesus loves her, that there's forgiveness in Christ. The Bible will tell me what to tell her, but it won't tell me specifically that it's her that needs to hear that word right now. Right. So, so God speaks through Scripture. He has spoken through His Son, amen. And I know this is a big issue because there's a lot of theologians who say, ah, God don't speak like that anymore. He doesn't do that. And if you say that God speaks to you, you're a heretic and all that. Well, you know what? It's okay to be wrong. And the Lord will, the Lord will uh, he'll sort that out. In, in, in the end, that was a little bit over the top, Clay. I feel like the Holy Spirit said, don't say that, Clay. No. Anyway, so there's two, there's two really big objections to people saying that God doesn't speak that way anymore. And the first one I've already mentioned, right, is because we have know people who have said and done crazy things in the name of God speaking. I mean, we've, I've, I've had a lot of words that people say is from the Lord that just to be honest with you aren't from the Lord. I mean, they weren't. They were just people saying stuff. And, and, and we get that. But see, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, can you? Am I going to throw away a $100 bill because somebody over here is counterfeiting $100 bills? No. I'm going to keep the good, aren't I? And I'm going to throw out the bad. And so... There, there's obviously, Scripture tells us, man, you got to judge prophecy. you got to pay attention to that. You, you can't just allow it to, to run rampant. It has to come up under subjection and authority of Scripture as well as leadership, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or people are just going to get loose and say all kinds of crazy stuff because there's a human element in it where people can miss it and you won't hear. And that's why Scripture has to be foundational in our lives. But, but secondly, there's this belief that the revelatory gifts of the Spirit undermine and diminish the sufficiency of Scripture. And I know that's big and deep and theological, but there's a, there's a camp of believers that they say, well, no, Clay, you, prophecy, all that gives the Spirit, they've ceased. And if you believe that they're still for today, you are undermining the sufficiency of Scripture. And I had a conversation with one guy where I said, no, if you think they're ceased and stopped and, and no longer today, I think you're undermining the sufficiency of Scripture. And the reason I say that is this is that if Scripture is sufficient, and I believe that it absolutely is, but wouldn't it tell me if those things are no longer for today? If prophecy was dangerous and and had a tendency to maybe undermine the sufficiency of Scripture, shouldn't Scripture itself tell me that? I mean, Scripture warns me against legalism. It warns me against sexual immorality. It warns me against arguments and quarrels. It warns me against false apostles. It warns me against all of these different things throughout Scripture, but not one time does it warn me against prophecy or the spiritual gifts. Matter of fact, it tells me to desire them earnestly. So if Scripture is sufficient, it would tell me that this is not. But what what Scripture which is sufficient does tell me is that God has given us these gifts to edify the body. And see, they're not just to springboard the church into the beginning because if, it were, if that were the case, Paul would have told the Corinthians, hey, this is just to springboard us and then we're done. But no, he says this is for the edification of the body. It's, he's not even talking to lost people anymore. He's talking about gifts operating among believers. So you're not, you don't have to springboard among believers because they're already believers. So you're edifying the body with the gifts of the Spirit, and they're a reality. And those get right, you got Word of Knowledge, you got Word of Wisdom, you got Discerning of Spirits. You, you have all of these things functioning in the church and in the body. So you've got those two things. But see, the Bible gives us every command and every warning that we need, right? But it never says anything about that. Now, here's, here's something really interesting. I was reading this book, and this is a really good book, actually. This guy is a charismatic Calvinist. His name is Sam Storms. Somebody told me that a charismatic Calvinist was a was a contradiction of terms. I said, "Oh, contraire. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, this guy says, he talks about, I quoted Charles Spurgeon on Sunday, you remember? Yeah. Charles Spurgeon was a Baptist, a Baptist preacher. They called him the prince of preachers. Dude could preach, didn't have to have a microphone, would preach 3,000, son. And, and, and doctrinally sound, I mean, good stuff, Calvinist guys, what, 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 whether you're Calvinist or not, Spurgeon's the man, right? He, he, he had it down. But there was a guy that, that when, in Spurgeon's autobiography, he says this. There was a guy that came to him, uh, and he says this. He says, Mr. Spurgeon looked at me as if he knew me, and in his sermon he pointed to me and told the congregation that I was a shoemaker and that I kept my shop open on Sundays, and I did, sir. I should not have minded that. But he also said that I took nine pence the Sunday before and that there was four pence profit out of it. I did take nine pence that day and four pence was just the profit. But how he should know that, I could not tell. Then it struck me that it was God who had spoken to my soul through him. So I shut up my shop the next Sunday. At first I was afraid to go again to hear him, lest he should tell the people more about me. But afterwards I went and the Lord met with me and saved my soul. Now, the thing about that is that Charles Spurgeon, by all he he would have been, he would have been a, a person who believed that the gifts of the Spirit don't operate today. But the Holy Spirit was flowing through him and operating. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And so then Spurgeon himself said this. I could tell as many as a dozen similar cases in which I pointed at somebody in the hall without having the slightest knowledge of the person or any idea that what I said was right except that I believed I was moved by the Spirit to say it. And so striking has been my description that the persons have gone away and said to their friends, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Beyond a doubt, he must have been sent of God to my soul, or else he could not have described me so exactly. And not only so, but I have known many instances in which the thoughts of men have been revealed from the pulpit. I have sometimes seen persons nudge their neighbors with their elbow because they had got a smart hit, and they have been heard to say when they were going out, the preacher told me just what we said to one another when we were, went in at the door. It says, one, one, one occasion, uh, he, during his sermon, he pointed at a young man and declared, young man, those gloves you are wearing have not been paid for. You've stolen them from your employer. And after the service, the man brought the gloves to Spurgeon and asked that he not tell his mother, who would be heartbreaking to discover that her own son was a thief. What's my point with all that? My point is this man was a man who no doubt was a man of prayer. He sought God. He wanted to hear from God. He believed in the Spirit. Matter of fact, he was talking about the Spirit when I quoted him before. But this man didn't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit, yet he was operating in the word of knowledge. He knew how much money the dude had basically taken off a person and how much profit he had made uh, on Sunday and didn't know who the guy was. And he says, I did this several times. He's operating in what we would call the spiritual gift of the word of knowledge even though he doesn't necessarily believe in it. Yeah. So last week we talked about desire being a very important thing, obviously. But I think sometimes, if I'm, be, if I'm being totally honest, somebody who's just, somebody who's just after God and wanting to be used by God like I, know, I have no doubt that guy wanted to be used by God. It just, fl- it just flowed through him. Yeah. It just happened to him. And I think when you're flowing with the Holy Spirit, I think that that does happen. You have divine coincidences where you say or you look at somebody and, and may, maybe something comes up, but, but it's because it's out of friendship with God. Here's what I say most about like when you're flowing with God, when you're flowing with the Holy Spirit, desire is important, right? We, we have to desire spiritual gifts. You don't desire it nine times out of 10, it ain't gonna come, but God still is sovereign. He can choose to use who he wants, but he commands us to earnestly desire them and ask for them and pray for them so that God would use us in those ways. But see, The gifts of the Spirit and prophecy is really about friendship with God. The Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God, and one time God said about Abraham, he said, you know what, should I withhold these secrets from Abraham? Why? Because he's his friend. If if you've got a friend, they're your friend, why? Because you like spending time with them, and usually a good friend is somebody that you can share all of your secrets with, all of your heart with. Well, you know what Jesus said in John 15, 15? He said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. He said, I'm not calling you a servant because a servant does not know what his master is doing. I want a friendship with you so that I can have somebody to reveal my secrets to. And that's the kind of relationship that He wants with us. And so what we're looking to do is to develop a friendship with God until we get into a place where we begin to hear His voice. And He speaks to us in a way where we know this is God. And I love, uh, let, me, let me say this really quick. Because prophecy really, we can talk about prophecy and say, well, prophecy is just preaching the Bible. It's just preaching the Word of God. Well, no, it's not because it is distinct from other things they they talk about preaching in the Bible they talk about teaching in the Bible and then they talk about prophecy as a separate issue and it's a spiritual gift and it is based upon spontaneous sovereign divine revelation of the Holy Spirit it happens in a moment by the Spirit as He wills you cannot prophesy when you want to you're not going to get a word from the Lord just because you simply want to The Holy Spirit gives it to you. You desire it. You wait upon Him. You learn to listen. You learn to ask. You say, Lord, what are you saying? But you wait upon the Holy Spirit. And if He gives you nothing, you don't speak. You don't come up with things in your mind. But see, it's dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Now let me say this. Because prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy is essentially a human being just saying, this is what God is saying. And that means that this whole book is prophecy, isn't it? Because it's a human report of divine revelation. But see, somebody would say, well, if the Bible is prophecy, then then we're in bad shape. Because see, Clay, now you're saying that whenever somebody prophesies, it's on the same level as as the Bible. No, sir. No, never. Anybody ever gives a word in here, it's not on the same level as the Bible. Let me tell you the difference. Scripture is God-breathed, inerrant, without error, revelation for all God's people for all times. That's what this is. Inerrant, perfect, revelation from God for all God's people for all times. But prophecy is revelation that is usually for a single person or a group of people for a specific time and purpose and it must be judged and tested must be judged and tested. And see, that's my point. I can read the book of Galatians and I'm reading his context, Paul's context 2,000 years ago, but somebody might come to me in this moment, quote a scripture verse and then tell me what I'm going through and how it applies and it's for this moment, right? It's for that moment and then this moment. So there's two different things. But prophecy is different. It has not the same authority as scripture. It's judged by scripture. Matter of fact, it has so little authority that Paul says you actually need to judge it. Let one or two prophesy, let another judge, right? I like Isaiah 50, verse 4 through 5. You put that up there, John. Uh, It says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Now, can I tell you something? Fear and discouragement is the primary, one of the primary tactics of the enemy in our world today. How many of you, you got fearful or discouraged here recently? And you've been down, and you've been depressed, and you've been in the dumps. How many of you ever been in that situation, and somebody came to you with a word from the Lord, or maybe you went to church and heard it preached from the pulpit, but all of a sudden, that fear and discouragement broke up off your life, and you felt differently? Right. Amen. Amen. And so if Satan is trying to bring fear and discouragement into the entire world right now, and he is, we need people filled with the Holy Spirit that their ear is awakened to hear, hear as the learned, right, so that their ear is awakened to hear what God is saying morning by morning so that they could have a tongue that speaks to those who are weary in due season. Michaela was sitting in here. Her ear was awakened to hear. We, said, we literally said, stop and listen. What does God say, right? Right? And we talk about how in the Old Testament the word prophecy is nabah and, and it literally means one definition of it is to bubble up. So a lot of times when you talk about hearing the voice of God, you're literally talking about images or impressions or feelings that just sort of bubble up into your mind. I mean, I'm sure you felt nothing more than, boom, she just came to your mind. And you could, you could throw that away. You can put that aside. I, I can't tell you the number of times. And sometimes it's nothing, you know. I, I remember I sent M- Mitch Hawkins a text the other day, and it was because when I was praying, he just came to my mind. And I didn't have anything to say to him, but I just sent him a text. No big deal, right? And I and I didn't I didn't overgo. I didn't overstep my bounds. I didn't say, well, I felt something, so I'm gonna say, you know what, Mitch, I feel like the Lord is going to in two days bless you with a thousand dollars. I didn't go into any of that. I pl- I played it with what the Lord gave me which was just a simple impression. Because sometimes what people will do is they'll take an impression and they want to be super spiritual and super prophet and they'll go a little bit further than what God said. And God may just be telling you, say, hey, bro, what's up? Just to check in on somebody. You don't know. So, so, so you just, and, and, and it may have not even be the Lord, but I was praying it came to my mind, so I went for it. And, and sometimes it's just as simple as that. It's, it's, it's not as big a deal as you think it is. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, it says this. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. And he's making a point before he gets into the gifts of the Spirit that we were actually carried away to dumb idols. And the word dumb I like, but, but what it really means here is mute or voiceless. It means that you followed gods who did not have a voice. You followed gods who could not speak. But we're talking about a God that speaks, has a voice and wants to speak to his children and his children hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice and our God speaks. And that's why in 1231 it says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. We talked about that last week in 1231. Now when he says the best gifts... He's not necessarily saying that one, one gift has more value than another, but like we said last week in 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians, what he's basically saying is that there are gifts that tend to edify more than others. Right. Y'all agree with that? Which is why he begins to argue. See, one of the conversations that I got in with one of these guys is he came to church here the other day and he was checking it out. And he actually heard somebody speaking in tongues. Like they were kind of praying in tongues. But he, he said, see, that was weird to me because I thought that if somebody spoke in tongues in a church setting, it's supposed to be interpreted. And I heard that guy talking and nobody interpreted it. Now, I told him, I said, well, you know, you got people from charismatic background. I said, people pray in tongues. That dude was probably over there praying in tongues. Could he have been more silent? He probably could have, whatever. I said, but, but because he grew up in a background, he thinks it's cool. But my point is this. We as a church, we believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, but we do need to be aware of who we're ministering to. Because when people come in, Sunday, they do not think like you and I think. I mean, I speak in tongues very regularly, but in the church, I'm probably not going to do it unless it's very silent between me and the Lord, or the Lord gives me a manifestation where it is so going to be interpreted. Because he says, that's, he's talking about edification. And he makes the point that if everybody speaks in tongues or somebody speaks in tongues and it's not interpreted, that it's not going to edify the church. You will likely confuse somebody. That's that's what he's saying. Now, if you get a bunch of charismatic people around and everybody's going ho for it, y'all want to pray in tongues for a while, go for it. But it's not the place, right, around people who don't know, people uninformed. Point well taken? All right. You know, he ends up saying, and the point, the point that he makes is he said, he says, he says, he says, don't forbid to speak with tongues. He says that. That's in the Bible. He says, don't forbid anybody to speak with tongues. Matter of fact, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. And he said, Because if a man speaks in an unknown tongue, he edifies himself privately to the Lord as he's praying to the Lord. But if a man comes and prophesies, he edifies the church, right? This is 1 Corinthians 14. And this is why I believe Paul prayed in tongues all the time privately because he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. He said, I pray in tongues and I sing in tongues. He said, but in the church, I'd rather speak five words in an intelligible language than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Because in the church... People ain't going to understand. And he said they're going to say that you're crazy. In First Corinthians fourteen twenty-three, it says, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Yes, they will. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. When prophecy is operating powerfully, that's what happens. Secrets are revealed, hearts are open, and people say, man, God's here. And so that's the point that he's trying to make. He's saying, seek the gifts that function that will ultimately edify the church the most, right? Right? And we said last week that it's not, it's not a big, people ain't, look, anybody who prophesies in here, they ain't going to get up and they say, yeah, yeah, thus saith the Lord, right? It, it's more, it's more or less you have an, you have an impression from God and you get up and you say, here's, you know, I, I just, a sense that the Lord may be saying this to somebody. And it's as simple as that. And it may be right. It may be wrong because we ha- well, there's room for human error, but we're learning to hear. In the Old Testament, they had the school of the prophets, You realize, why do you think they had the school of the prophets? Because they were learning to hear. You remember First Samuel, and Samuel, whenever Samuel hears the voice of God, he hears Samuel, Samuel. Samuel gets up and says, Eli, did you holler at me? He said, no, man, go back to bed. He went back to bed. He heard the voice of God again, Samuel, Samuel, Eli, did you holler at me? He finally said, listen, bro, that's the voice of God. It ain't me. Go back to bed. You hear it again. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. The Lord was bringing him in a process and a journey where he was learning to hear the voice of the Lord. We was in Next Steps here the other day, and Jared, I don't think Jared's here right now, but he was talking about, he, he said, you know, you talk about that manifestation of the Spirit. A couple of times, he said, I would feel that, and I didn't know what to do. And I said, well, was there anything on your mind? Did you have an impression? Did you have, did you have a feeling? He said, well, yeah. He said, One of my, my neighbor came to my mind when that happened. And I said, well, it sounds like to me you need to go talk to your neighbor. It's really, it's really that simple. And so, so he, he had a... Mani- but but what, what is that? What is that manifestation of the Spirit? When we talk about the voice of God or God speaking, we're 99.9% of, t- of the time not talking about an audible voice, right? We, we do, I don't know anybody that's heard an audible voice, I don't think. I've never heard an audible voice. When God speaks, He speaks primarily in, in, in impressions to me. But see, the key is... Romans 8.15 says this. It says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And here's what I want you to understand is that when we are led by the Spirit of God, God gives us ears to hear, and God needs leaders who are hearers rather than decision makers. What's that mean? Right now with this church, I could make a million decisions. Matter of fact, there's often a lot of times pressure to make decisions. But I choose to not make a decision until I hear from the Lord. So if I've, not, if I've not heard from the Lord, I'm not making a decision because somebody's pressuring me or because somebody thinks it's a good idea. I'm going to make a decision because I ultimately pray and I hear from the Lord on an issue, right? And in your own life, you need to not just make decisions because they always seem like the best thing. You, when it comes to life decisions, you need to hear from the Lord. Amen. Amen. So let me, let me just go through a, th- a few things. I believe that our ability to hear and follow the voice of God is going to determine really the success of our life and whatever ministry that we have. We've got to be able to hear what the Lord is saying in our life. And it, again, it's rooted and grounded in Scripture, but sometimes the scripture, ain't going to tell me, the, the scripture ain't going to tell me who to marry. It ain't going to tell me what job to take. It ain't going to tell me what school to go to. You know, the Scripture's not going to tell me any of those things. The Scripture will keep me grounded So that I can learn to hear the voice of God. Matter of fact, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so we learn to hear, but one of the first things, ways that we learn to hear is through inward witness and impressions. Colossians 3:15 says this: It says, Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace indeed you were called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always. One, the old Amplified Version said this. It said, let the peace of God act as an umpire in your heart. If it's good, safe. You feel that. If it ain't good, it's not safe. I was talking about that girl that I was dating there a while back. This just came back to my mind. Let me go back into it. Where's Andrea at? Never mind. I don't know if I finished the story, but this right here brings it back up because I was dating this girl, and in my mind, I was so lonely, I just wanted, I just wanted a friend, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Poor old me. I thought, man, this is going to work, Lord. Let it work, Lord. Anybody ever prayed like that? <laughs> and I, had, I kid you not, I was going to work, and I had the sickest feeling in the pit of my stomach about it day after day after day. And I kept overriding that sick feeling. And finally, it would not go away. And I, and I wanted to resist it because I was justifying and conjuring up in my mind all the reasons to, to try to continue to pursue this relationship. And then finally, the Lord wouldn't have it anymore. I was so restless with no peace. He said, son, this is out. Get out. <laughs> Don't go down that road. And it wasn't like nothing was going on. I mean, it was all just... Nothing, no big deal. But at the same time, the Lord was saying, get out. That's not for you. And do I, do I know why? Not necessarily. I don't know why, except for, or I, I do know why. He gave me the, Andre, right? Most beautiful woman in the world. He gave her to me. Bless the Lord. So, he speaks to us through peace in our heart. Inward witness, amen. Y'all believe that? Anybody amen me on that? Have you ever done anything and you just got a, a, a feeling of the pity or something? You're like, oh, I don't know about that. That don't feel right. You need to follow that. Yeah. You need to learn how to follow that. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He will convict you. He'll give you an impression. He'll give you a nudge. And He'll let you know, man, you need to chill out. You need to stay off of that. There's a guy named da- Dallas Willard. He wrote this. He said that one of the primary, primary ways that God still speaks is through gracious incursions into our souls. He says God will put words, phrases, sentences, images, and the like into your mind, and it will be stamped with the indelible print of his voice. You just begin to know that that thought is not your own thought. That's a God thought. You learn, the, and, and let me tell you how you learn that primarily is through worship and prayer. I'll just be honest with you. One of the reasons we linger in worship is not, on, not really because we like songs a whole lot, even though we do. I really believe that when you worship and you linger in the presence of God, if you read the book of Psalms, that's what the whole thing is. David and all these men are in the temple worshiping God. And as they're worshiping, they come into the spirit of prophecy and begin to write scripture. That's what happens. And so what Psalms is, is literally men pinning down songs as they're in the presence of God worshiping. My point being is that you can spend time in worship and prayer and all of a sudden thoughts come to your mind, pin them down. You learn to hear what God is saying. Some of it may be you, some of it may be God, some of it may be both. It don't matter. You learn to hear and you learn to to differentiate the difference between your voice, God's voice, and the voice of a demon. You get discerning of spirits. Is this my spirit? Is this flesh? Is this God's spirit? Or is this a demon spirit? Because sometimes in your mind, you're going to get a little devil that comes and drops something, does it? And you know what the Bible says about that? It says that you need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and say, no, I ain't listening to that voice. Because there's a lot of voices and there's a lot of spirits that have gone out into the world to try to deceive people and pull people away. But he says, you're not listening to those voices. You are listening to the voice of God. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. But see, you hear it much better when you spend time with him. You know, if I walk into a room, some of, some of you all, well, y'all listen to me preach every week, so you'd probably know my voice. But the point is, people that you love, you could be in the, at the mall, and if you heard your loved one's voice at the other end, over a thousand voices, you would probably hear that voice because you spend so much time with them. You spend time with the Lord, His voice is going to become recognizable to you. You're going to know this is the Lord speaking in this particular thing. And now, I know I know I'll probably have two or three quit church with this one, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say it anyway. It's all right. It's all right, Clay. (laughs) The Lord gives me courage. (laughs) When we talk about, because I understand, like, everybody, we already dealt with the issue if you weren't here the past couple weeks. Like, if you don't speak in tongues, I'll never be mad at you, and I don't think you're less than because you don't. But for those who will receive it, Paul talks about, right, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, he says, But my understanding is unfruitful. He says, if you speak in an unknown tongue, you edify yourself, you utter mysteries unto God in the Spirit, right? That's what he says. And I personally believe, here's here's my thing. If I really have something going on in my life and I don't know how to pray, y'all ever gotten in a position where you don't know how to pray? Romans 8 says this. I don't even think I put it up there, but here's what it says. It says, likewise, the Spirit, and it's Romans 8, 26, 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. That word helps is a very specific Greek word. It's only there in the Bible, like one time. And it says that He takes hold together with. He takes share in. So He helps us in our weaknesses. And when we pray, He takes hold together with so that He prays with us alongside of us. And it says, For we do not know how we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Literally, they're too deep for human language. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I literally believe, and you can believe it or not, you can take it or leave it. I've just, I just, this is what I've come to believe. That when I pray in tongues, as the God has given me that gift, that I pray out the will of God that I don't yet understand in my mind, but my spirit is receiving it. You say, well, that's crazy, Clay. It don't make no sense. Well, that's okay. How else is he doing it? Does is, is the Spirit of God just, just groan on your behalf when you're watching TV? Or maybe He does it while, while you're praying in English. I'm fine with that too. But the, the point is, is He's taking hold together with you when you choose to pray. And he's, he's, he's interceding on your behalf because He wants to bring you into alignment with the will of God. When I don't know things... I told you the story, I, I tell, I've told this story a million times, but it, it, was, it was the one that most recently happened to me. A few times God has given me names of people. I remember, Caitlin, where were you at? Remember when you remember, I didn't even know what your mama's name was. Remember when were, and, and, and the Lord gave me her name, and it gave me a word for her, and it hit her. It really spoke to her, and it blessed her. And I, that don't happen to me often. But, but, but every now and then, if I'm open, right, he'll, he'll drop something in there. Well, I told you about the guy that had multiple personality disorder and Donald and I met with this guy. I'm going to try to get him to testify sometime just so y'all think, it. no, I ain't lying. The dude come in and I came in here because I'm scared to death because his mom says that he is, she believes that he's demonized and that, she, that he tried to kill his father, okay? And, and she says, will you meet with him? I'm like, no. Now send him somewhere else. I said, let me pray about it. And, and so we prayed about it. Donald and I talked about it. We said, we're going to meet, but we're going to meet together. I think Brian met with us. And, uh, and I came in here before we met because I was a little bit scared, y'all. I ain't really superhuman or super spiritual for that matter. But when I came in here, I did not know how to pray. And I could have said, Lord, bless this man and bless me and help us. And I, and I, did, I went through all that stuff, all that English stuff. And then I said, I don't know how to pray. So I started praying in tongues because, because my mind becomes a blank canvas and I feel peace with it and it's like it, it does something to me. So I did that. And as I'm walking around here just praying in tongues, silently, nobody else in the building, big impression in my mind, Michael. I was like, what? And I overrode that. I said, I'm trying to pray. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I continued to pray. And as I prayed once again, Michael. I said, "All right, two times is good, Lord. I'll take notice of that." I go in to have a meeting with this guy, and we're sitting in there. You was you there the first time when I mentioned it to him? And so three of us are sitting in there with that guy. And I said, "Buddy, I think I've got." I don't remember how it all played out, but essentially, I said, "I think I've got." He, he tells us. He tells us the story. Man, this guy did some wild stuff, didn't he? Like it was. He it was like, "Should we call the police?" Or, <laughs> uh, but. He was, He's really a nice guy once it, once it was all said and done. I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen, honestly. Um, but, but he starts to talk about his history. He talks about the fact that since he, he was 30 years old, I think, and for, from the time he was 10, he always had two other voices other than his own in his head, always. He had th- three personalities, and he, knew, he described one of the personalities in great detail with the name. He began to describe the other personality, and I said, "Well, what is that personality's name?" And as soon as I said that out of my mouth, my heart began to pound, and I was like, "Uh-oh, Holy Spirit, what are you doing?" And uh, and and the guy said, "I can't say his name," and I said, "Well, why not?" And he said, "I'm afraid if I do, he'll come up," and I said, "Let's not say it." <laughs> I th- and I, I, th- I, th- I th- we ended up saying I ended up saying something like, "Well, you know, what if God did give me His name? What would that do for you?" I mean, he's like, "Well, that'd be pretty, that'd be something." Well, anyway, I can't remember if it was that time or the next meeting, but I ended up saying the name, and he said, "He said, yeah, that's that's it." And uh, and so it turns out that that, that ma- he was demonized because he'd played with spirit boxes when he was ten tortured some animals and did some other stuff. So we ministered to him and the Lord set him free and he said he felt that those pers- that personality. He said he felt it go right out of the top of his head. It's just what he said. I talked to him. I checked in with him because this was probably a couple of years ago, two or three. I checked in with him just about a month ago just to see how he was doing and, uh, and I, said, I said, you still doing good, man? He said, doing great. He posts scripture on Facebook all the time, encourages people, tells them he loves them. The Lord delivered him, set him free. I got to marry him to his wife. And, and Lord just meant, I said, I said, do you hear any of those voices anymore? He said, not no more, buddy. Not no more. So, and to be honest, did I know what I was doing? No. They don't teach you that at seminary. That's why, that's why you got to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times you don't know, you don't know where he's going to take you. You just have to trust and follow. Does that make me super spiritual? I don't think so. All it makes me is willing. I was just willing to do it. I, did I want to? No. Did I really expect anything miraculous to happen? i got to be honest with you, I didn't. I didn't, th- I didn't. But I have seen God move in those ways several times, and I spend time in prayer and fasting over those things. And so what I do is when I, when I pray and fast about it, it just so happens I start seeing coincidences. Anybody amen me on that? When you seek God, you'll see a coincidence or two. Well, I wonder why that happened. Well, maybe it's because you were seeking the Lord. Secondly, he may speak to you in an inward voice. Acts 8, 8, 29, it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. You ever had the Spirit say something? You can put that up for me if you want to, John. Acts 8, 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Acts 10, 13, it says, And the voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And then Acts 13, 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which... I have called them. So you have all these things where a voice came to him. The Holy Spirit said. Now it could happen in a variety of ways. They could have literally been praying and fasting and then there could have been a tongue and interpretation and somebody interpret it and say, separate, the Spirit says, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I have called them. There could have been a variety of ways in which that happened, but sometimes you just have an inward voice where you, you hear something inwardly that you know this is, this is the Lord, this is something beyond. Another way that God's going to speak, and, man, I know, we're getting weird tonight, ain't we? And the reason sometimes that I speak about this, you know, y'all, y'all I ain't going to stay on this all year or nothing. I know some of y'all are like, man, Clay, he's, he's drifting out. He's going out left field. But, but I think this is important. It's important to me. God's, God has saved my life through dreams, through a couple of dreams. I'll be honest with you. Part of the reason I'm here right now today and not somewhere else, I'm telling you, is because the Lord warned me in a dream. I promise you, I would be somewhere else right now if the Lord had not warned me in a dream. I was going somewhere else. It was already done in my heart. And anyway, in the Bible, if you believe it, you see dreams throughout Scripture, don't you? You remember Joseph in the Old Testament had a dream which ultimately led to his rise to power. You remember Joseph, the father of Jesus, uh, was warned in a dream to take Jesus to Egypt. And then throughout Daniel, you see Daniel having dreams over and over again that he interpreted and gave details concerning the future. And in Acts 16, verse 9 and 10, it says, In a vision appeared to Paul in the night a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Are we having a breakdown on the, on the verses up there? Or did I, did, are they not on there? Well, bless the Lord. I thought, sure, I put them on there. You may have skipped one, because I skipped a bunch, you know what I'm talking about? So they'll be further, further down. They may not be in order. Job 33, verse 15 through 18 It says, In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. So he says, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, he opens the ears of men. What's funny, and he seals their instruction. What's funny is it says that God speaks once, even twice, yet man does not hear him. That's what it says in the verse before. And then it says, but in a dream in a vision of the night, he opens their ears and he seals their instruction. uh, Man, I could tell you a million different dreams, but... I can remember, I remember one time specifically, I'll say this, I was at OBI teaching school and I was, I was praying fervently like what, Lord, what's my next step? And, uh, and I didn't have an answer and I, and I was thinking about going to Barberville to pastor a church. Honestly, I didn't want to, but I was thinking about doing it and I prayed about it and I prayed about it and I prayed about it and I started to lean a particular way and I said, Lord, I need some confirmation and I went to bed that night. I woke up the next morning and I got a text from a girl that I used to go to school with who had moved to California and I hadn't talked to her in probably three years. And she sent me a message. She said, I know I've not seen you in a while or talked to you in a while. I had a dream about you last night. You were standing in front in front of a red light looking up at it, waiting on it. And she said, it just switched to green. Lord said, go ahead. I said, okay. She just had that dream. And so, so, so that, that was confirmation for me. Um." Because you talk about dreams and, you know, for Andre and I, to be honest, we were, Andre and I had, a, and I talked about this before, but we, we were struggling with um, what we should do as far as having a child goes because we were dealing with infertility. And, and we wrestled with that, man, and it was, it was a real struggle. And we put it off for a while. We asked God, you know, God, we... We want to get pregnant, right? But the Lord did, chose to not answer the prayer that way, and that's fine. He can do what He wants to. He's the Lord. Um, and uh, but but it bothered me some, you know. And I wrestled with that. I struggled with that. It's it's hard. Um, and I remember one night I I end up telling her I was like, well, we're just here's what we're going, we're just going we're going to do IVF and just call the doctor, and and she called the doctor and we set up an appointment. And, uh, and she, and she said, well, let's just pray tonight. And I knelt, I knelt down at the, I don't always kneel down at the bed, but that night I knelt down at the bed and I said, Lord, I need direction on two things. And there was really two things going on in my life and, uh, that I had to have direction for. And I had a dream that night and I don't want to go in, I don't want to take the time to tell you the entire dream, but, uh. But when I told Andrea the dream, she knew instantly that we weren't to do IVF. She knew instantly that we were supposed to adopt as soon as I told her the dream. And as soon as I had the dream on the other end about another job that I was supposed to take, I knew I can't take it. So the Lord answered two things in one dream. Now it took a while. We prayed about it. We didn't just take it, we we prayed about it. Because you don't, look, I don't know if I have dreams all the time that ain't nothing, y'all. You know what I'm talking about? I had a dream the other night. It was wilder. Oh, I mean, most of the time it's just that. So don't be thinking that every dream that you have is from the Lord because it ain't. Some of y'all going to have dumpling dreams tonight. And it ain't going to be the Lord. But when you have a dream from the Lord, you know. I almost left this church to go to another ministry. I was upset, I aggravated, deep down I didn't say nothing, but I I was, and and to be honest with you, I, I wasn't, I was, I was depressed a little bit. I was like, man, I don't know about it, I don't know about it. And this was this was several years back. And I and and I was, son, I, I was I was in, it was it was ready to happen. And I went to bed and I said, Lord, I'm going. Unless you tell me different. And I went to bed that night, son, and I had a dream that was one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had in my life. And the Lord emphatically said, no, you ain't. Because, because what you're going to do if you do that is Satan is going to rob you of your spiritual vision. And that's what he showed me. He said he's trying to destroy your ministry. You've got a ministry where you're at and he's trying to destroy it. And he showed me he showed me things that was going on in the church. Like he showed me multiple things in that dream. And I realized instantly, all right, I ain't going to do it. What's my point? Lord can speak. The question is, are you open to Him? Or have you just shut Him off and said, nah, I don't know about that now. I don't know about that. I had a dream. Well, I need to move on, Lord. I had a dream. So you can get revelation sometime. Uh, when, I, when I came to this church, uh, I was I was over in Barbville, feeling pretty bad about being there. I told, <laughs> My life's been hard, y'all. <laughs> Does it not encourage you to know that other people sometimes just aren't feeling great about life? I mean, you feel that way. It's just like you you look at the pastor. And it's like, man, he's not happy all the time. Thank God. <laughs> like, that means he's just normal. Because there, you, people, we got struggles, don't we? Like we we all got to hear from the Lord, and sometimes you wonder what in the world's going on in your life. No matter, even when things are good, because it wasn't like things were bad, but I was just struggling where I was at, and I felt really discontent, and and where I was wanting to go, man, I got a lot of resistance. Uh, I won't get into that, but but I prayed, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I fasted. And when I was praying, praying and fasting, one time, when I was praying, Donald Sims came to my mind. Never even met the dude before. I didn't know what he looked like. I had no idea what he looked like. Now, I knew who he was, sort of. Like, I knew he pastored City of Hope Church in Manchester, but I would never been to City of Hope Church, didn't know anybody. The only person I knew that went there was Barb because I worked with Barb, used to. And so I sent, I sent Barb a message, and I, you may or may not remember it, Barb. I don't know. I, I, I sent a message and said, hey, do you have Donald Sims number? And she sent it to me. And I felt so weird about it because it was just a slight impression in my mind that I didn't even call him. And so a month goes by, and again, I don't know who he is. He don't, as far as I know, he don't know who I am. I don't know. Me and Andre are on vacation, and he calls me and leaves a voicemail, and he says, hey, this is Donald Sims. You probably don't know me, but, but I'd like to have a talk with you sometime if that's all right. And so I called him back, and we said, we'll have a talk. And we came and we met, and basically in our first meeting together when we first knew each other, we had already known on both sides that the Lord had confirmed that I was going to be there, be at this church and take over eventually. Now, we didn't tell everybody that right away, but the Lord had given us both revelation on both sides by the time that we met together. Now, that's weird. Does that happen all the time? I don't know. It happened that time. Um, so, so the Lord can, can speak through things like that. The Lord speaks through prophetic words. You know, in, in the book of Acts, Acts 21, verse 9 through 13. Did you find any verses yet? Man, I must have did a terrible job up there. <laughs> anyway. I, I, I don't even have these verses. I'm not even, But in Acts 21, um, you remember it says, it says, Philip had four daughters which did prophesy. Wouldn't you like to have four daughters that prophesied? And then it talks about how Agabus is a prophet. Agabus in, in the book of Acts, he prophesied a famine and the famine came to pass. He told Paul that whenever he was going, uh, he told Paul that when he was going to Jerusalem that he would go bound and ultimately it would lead to his death. And that's not a very encouraging prophetic word, is it? Uh, that would challenge Somebody would say, well, that's not edifying and encouraging. I don't receive that. Uh, sometimes, you know, I mean, that dude was likely not just somebody that's prophesying. That dude was a prophet. Uh, and there is a difference. You and I, we need to stick to the safe stuff. You know what I'm saying? We need to stick to the edifying, encouraging, and comforting. You don't need to be going around calling people's sins out. You need to be trying to encourage people and, and pour them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And play it safe until you have built years of consistency in being accurate. Amen. People go around calling themselves prophet. Eh, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I mean, just play it safe. So, um, the prophetic word is, is confirmational. But it's got to be tested. And, it, and it's, it's, it's a secondary source of direction. Um, and i I tell, I tell you all the story when, I, when the Lord had called me to preach, how somebody came and gave me a word in that moment that spoke. And it confirmed What was already going on in my heart. If you get a word that's a prophetic word and it just takes you by storm and you're like, that don't. I mean, that's like, I don't even know how to receive that. Like put it on the back burner and pray about it for a minute. But if it does never bear witness or come up pretty soon, toss that sucker out and say, nah, that wasn't from the Lord. See, the Bible says to despise not prophesyings because there would be a... Paul knew that there are going to be some wacky people that come and prophesy wacky things and you would start to hate it and you'd throw it out just because you heard one or two wacky ones. But he says, don't despise prophecy. He said, test all things and hold to that which is good. That's That's in 1 Thessalonians. So somebody gives you something wacky, he said, just test it. If it ain't good, toss it out. But when you have something good that you know is the Lord, hold on to it. Write it down. Go back to it. Remind yourself of it. Paul told Timothy, he said, wage a good warfare by the prophecies that have been spoken over you. In other words, he's saying you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get beat down and wonder if you're supposed to continue doing what you're doing. But remember the prophecies and the word of the Lord that came over your life that said you were supposed to be in this ministry doing what you're called to be do. And go back and look at that and remember that and you'll wage a good warfare and you'll be strengthened. So you, you toss away the bones, right, Need to meet. And, eat the meat. and that's, that's how you function in that. Uh, also, spiritual authority, right? God's going to speak to people that are over us, and we need counselors. There are times when I've had needed direction, and I've went to pastors, and I've got to be honest with you, my pastors a couple of times would give me good counsel, but, but they, they had their own opinions. But in the multitude of counsel, there is safety, so nobody is an authority unto themselves, if I'm making decisions, I've got overseers over me. I've got people that I talk to. I say, what do you think about this? I think I'm hearing this from the Lord. They'll give me counsel. They'll say, well, you need to think about this, Clay. You need to, you need to worry about this. You need to pay attention to this. Or, no, you don't need to do that. I've had overseers say, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't do that. Handle it this way. And I've listened to them. I've submitted. Right? So, so you, 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 you have authorities in your life that you're paying attention to. And then biblical direction. Sometimes, I'm telling you, all of this stuff doesn't even matter if you ain't reading the Bible. If you ain't reading the Bible, forget everything I just said. Literally, I'm serious. If you're not reading the Bible, forget everything that I just said. Because it's going to be no good to you. Can God still speak to you without the Bible? He can, but I bet you He probably don't want to. Because he don't, I don't know that He can entrust you if, if, if he cannot trust you to read the book that he's already spoken through, how are you going to trust you to speak about specific things? So biblical direction. When you open the Bible, and I'm telling you, you're going to open it. If you would just do a daily devotional, some of you, you got problems in your life right now. If you just do a daily devotional and open the scripture, God will speak to you in your devotional in the morning time and answer some of the issues you got right away. So yeah, let's deal with that issue first. And then lastly, if you're, if you're married, y'all ever notice that the Lord will speak to you through your spouse? I got Bible for it. Matthew 27, 19 says that while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man, for I've suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Pilate's wife had a dream and said, listen, you need to stay away from that Jesus, dude. I just had a dream. I don't know about it. I do not feel good about this. And sometimes Andrea will come to me and she'll be like, "Clay, I don't feel good about this." I'll be like, Psh, "It's all right." And then it comes back to bite me. And sometimes she'll she'll have a dream or she'll have a thought, and she's really not even that way. She don't try to get weird at all. But but uh, <laughs> I tr- <laughs> no anyway. All right. So here's some things that will keep you from hearing clearly. Number one is the fear of man. It's hard to hear God whenever you are heavily influenced by the opinion and advice of others. It's not that the opinion and advice of others doesn't play a role. But ultimately, I've got all, listen, I've got all kinds of people got opinions, and some of them are highly opinionated. And if I followed them every time they gave me their opinion, we would be doing stuff you can't even imagine. You know what I'm saying? And, and I can't possibly follow all of the opinions. So I have to set those things aside and go back to the Lord, back to the witness of my spirit. But the fear of man and, and trying to please people, man, it will destroy you. Your parents may put pressure on you and you need to always honor your parents or you'll have a short life, son, and it'll be bad with you, right? The Bible says it'll be good with you if you honor them and, and you'll have a long life. But but sometimes you you can get pre- like. You can even, when your, when your parents, for example, aren't necessarily believers and you're a believer, like you could, I've, I know people that their parents really try to influence them away from Christian living. Seriously. And you could have influence like that. Uh, but you, those pressures, you got to work with them. Two things that will keep you from hearing clearly is lack of prayer. When you don't ask counsel from the Lord over and over again in the Old Testament, because they did not answer, ask for counsel from the Lord, they, they, they got them into a bind. And when you pray, you know, there's something in your brain called a reticular activating system. I know that sounds weird, but do you know how, like, if you buy a vehicle, you, you, I, hear, I see a, If you buy a vehicle, you start seeing them everywhere, don't you? You ever done that? You bought one, like, well, they got one over here, they got one over there, there's one. You see them everywhere because there's something in your brain. It's a reticular activating system. It creates categories in your mind to store knowledge and and memory and stuff like that. My point is this. When you start to pray a lot about very specific things in your life, the Lord actually uses that because as you're praying about these things, you start seeing coincidences come up. Answers to the questions that you're talking about in prayer coming up. You start seeing those things begin to happen more and more. So lack of prayer... Uh, causes an issue. Three, pressure to perform. There could be financial pressure, time pressure, growth pressure. Uh, All of these things will come and pressure you and all of a sudden you get so pressured that you don't stop to listen for the Holy Spirit. And some of you young people you're pressured to get a job, you're pressured to do this, you're pressured to do that. All that's good. You need to succeed in life but you need to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, where am I going? What do I need to do? And and here's the thing. Let Let me look at this. Number four, pride of position. And this is a big one too because Balaam, if you remember, he became proud. He stopped hearing the voice of God. And he, his donkey had to stop him from going in a wrong direction. But pride plugs your ears. I told somebody the other day to pray for us and pray for this church because one of the most dangerous things about this church is just how young we are. You know, the Bible says to lay hands on no man quickly. I know somebody, somebody looked and said, we, we, we ain't young. I, <laughs> you, The point being is I'm 34 and I'm in a lead pastor position. That's that's the point I make. The Bible says lay hands on no man hastily, lest being a novice he gets lifted up in pride and is taken snare of the devil. When you put people in leadership positions at a young age, it can be a dangerous thing. Now Timothy was in a leadership position at Ephesus as a young age and Paul encouraged him. He said, said, now listen son, you don't... don't, uh," He said... You be strong now. Don't let them them look down on you because of your youth. So there's that balance there. But the point being is pride, when you get into a pride of a position, you think your way is right sometimes, right? And you don't listen to God. So you got a safety net. The safety net for hearing the Lord is regular prayer and fasting. You need to be praying, and sometimes you need to be fasting in order to hear from the Lord. Number two is daily Bible reading. Read the Bible every day. Number three is spiritual accountability. You need people to talk to that you can go to and say, hey, I'm I'm, I'm wondering about this. It's people that you can have counselors in your life to talk to about what God is saying to you. Fourthly, you need to honor your spouse because she may speak to you about some things. And then fifthly, never go beyond your witness. In other words, if you don't have peace about it, don't do it. Wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. If you don't have peace about it, pray. If you don't get no peace, don't go with it. See, Andre and I, whenever we were praying about in- infertility and stuff like that, we never could get peace. So we just kept waiting. And let me tell you something, the waiting was hard. It was a purifying process. Anything, anybody who's gone through that knows. It's a trying time. But you still wait. Because He's the Lord. And He's going to do something good and He's going to speak to you. And ultimately, He'll give you a good gift. Amen.